0: This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast, here are your hosts, Dan Wolkenstein,
1: and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Efner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Bet Online, Charger Bolt Family, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein, there's no practice today for the Chargers, but that does not stop us from doing a show. There is football on TV. There's finally football on TV. Again, preseason or not, there's football on television. So (laughs) to you people who still don't like preseason football, I have yet to understand you. We're just getting that much closer to regular season, in my opinion. Uh, I'm excited for it. But as I mentioned just a second ago, there's no practice for the Chargers today, as they did have an off day. But that does not stop us from doing a show, as we do have a very special guest for today's show, Dan.
0: Yes, Nick Cothrell from Sports Illustrated. He's been out at training camp for all of the training camps, so he has a very special view on what we have seen so far from camp. Uh, We've talked to him a few times while we've been out there. Uh, Lots of nuggets that he's hoping to give to to us about camp battles, about some positive scenarios we're seeing from some players, uh, some possible storylines to look forward to as we get going to training camp the rest of the way. So without further ado, Jake, Nick Cothrell, Sports Illustrated. But before we do that, of course, got to pay the bills. So in between... Let's talk about it but online. I thought you were like going to give me like an over under, over under. On- how many times we're going to talk about the Padres and the haul that they got at the trade deadline at
1: .5. What on with asking Nick? Yeah, over under one. Call it like that. This is, this is a football show. Still, so so are you I'm taking? Gonna, are you taking the over under? I'm taking the under. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're a Chargers podcast. Yeah, it's, it's still, you got to stay relative to the subject matter, my friend. Anyways, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, eSports, and even golf bet online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live from live in-game betting props and futures head on over to bet online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet using the promo code believe 50 that's bleav A V five zero to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts
0: nick cothrill sports illustrated training camp overview coming up next Welcome to Chargers on Leash. Jake Hefner, Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today we have a special guest with us, Sports Illustrated's own Nick Cothrol, has joined us to talk all things Chargers training camp from day one to day today. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Nick, how are you?
2: Good, good. Seven, seven days of camp in the books. And uh, it's been good to see you guys out there for a couple of days and just you guys know the overall vibe around the team is just buzzing, and it's, every day is a new day. And it's just, you know, you can't, you really can't beat training camp. It's really like one of the better parts of the year. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been great so far.
1: Sweet, Jake, go ahead. How many? Nick, how many times? Because we dealt with this the first day of camp. And then I think it was the day four of camp that you and I personally were dealing with it. How many days have you found an excuse to go over on the defensive side of the field of the field just to stay out of the sun?
2: <laughs> I try to do that every day, to be honest, <laughs> you know, it kind of depends what field they want to uh, do the seven on sevens or the 11 on 11s. But every day I try to make it on that far field. The The, the shade that those trees provide is it's at least 10 degrees cooler. It's unbelievable. <laughs>
0: I think I think it's a combination of the shade and not facing the sun. So I feel like yes. on the other side, you're facing it, it's just beaming Put down. Put the on sun
2: you. to your back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, cool. Well, today we want to get into all kinds of storylines. Want to go into kind of the key takeaways so far from camp. Maybe some individual standouts and some roster battles. Uh, so Nick, let's kind of jump right in here. Um, you've been there since the jump. There's been a lot of buzz. We talked all about all kinds of players. Like for you, like what are some of like the key player performances or standouts that you've seen so far? At camp.
2: Yeah. So let's, let's start with the offense. Um, On offense, obviously Zion being the first round pick, everybody wants to know what he's going to look like. Um, And, you know, he's kind of following the footsteps of Rashawn Slater, which is no easy task at all, right? Like what he was able to do in year one, it's really an outlier situation. Like you, you, you can't exactly put that on Zion. Um, Now there's only been two days of pads. So, that's you know that's what real small sample size that we're dealing with and what you could kind of you know go off of engage but they were on the they were they they were originally doing the one on ones on the far field like you guys were talking about so I was over there and they were only going about half speed and then when they kind of kicked things into gear they moved over onto the other field so I was watching that from a distance I wasn't up close um, but from what I could see Zion held his own and then speaking with you know Corey Lindsley um, and Matt Filer. Um, the the day after we spoke with Lindsley, and then the next day with Filer, both of them were just praising what he can do. And you know I've only been on the beat since March, but Corey Lindsley doesn't strike me as a guy that's just going to throw something out there. And what he was just praising his intelligence, just his pure strength. Um, and you know to to see that. Day one in pads, day two in pads was pretty remarkable. Um, I was talking to Popper a little bit because he was over on on that far side, and he said he saw Zion lose one rep. It was the first one, that Austin Johnson. And then after that, n- really nobody pushed him around afterwards. Wow.
1: Let me flip it over to the defensive side of the ball real quick, and then we'll get back to the offensive things because I was just thinking about some of the aspects, Nick, that you and I have both witnessed. And obviously – we don't know when Kenneth Murray's coming back. We we know that there's a ramp-up period right now that Staley has talked about, but there's no given set timeline where they hope it is. Hopefully, it's in the next three weeks. Drew is dealing with his groin issue. doesn't seem to be serious, but the one person that has really reaped the benefits of them both being not being out on the field is one Damon Lloyd. How has that whole you know second-string, third-string battle for linebacker basically been carried out here now that the fact you have your two incumbent starters that are missing time, but a lot of these guys are getting extra reps right now. What is it you're seeing from that position group specifically?
2: Yeah. You know, the linebacker group is probably the most, like least flashiest group on the team, right? Like everybody's like, they, they have drew Tranquil and uh, they brought in Kyle Van Noy. Who's really, I haven't even seen him line up at edge once. He's like just playing inside linebacker at this point, which, you know, kind of makes sense with Kenneth Murray, not available, but, Yesterday, uh, Kyle Van Noy, you know, he didn't partake in any of the eleven-on-eleven 11 stuff. Um, ben and Saley said it was it was just kind of like load management day for a bunch of the vets. So it was it was mainly um, Troy Reader. Um, it was Nick Nieman. Uh They were all kind of you know slotting in there, and both both of them looked pretty good. Like I don't think this is going to be a group that is wowing a, a, you know, a, a bunch of fans, but at the same time, if they can just be fundamentally sound and good enough, especially with the defensive line, right? The the run defense should be astronomically better. I mean, Cleo Mack, everybody looks at his sack numbers, but he's an elite run defender. And then we all know the big bodies that they, that they brought in the middle. So you know, Damon Lloyd has really flashed like he and he's another one of those body suit just looks like a physical freak. He's just, you know, super chiseled. I think, I think we were actually talking about that at practice. And it's like, what he's been able to do, nobody was really throwing his name, name around heading into camp. And he's just flashed. He, I, I I reported or, or tweeted out a couple of days ago, and back to back plays, he had a sack and a tackle for loss. And, you know, it, his teammates were really you know, behind him and cheering him on from the sideline. And he's just been a guy that he's definitely caught my attention. So
0: how about, I mean, you, you look at kind of the, the edge position, right? We obviously you have Khalil Mack, you've got Joey Bosa, and I think Chris Rumpf, I think, has improved a bit. Like, how do you see that standout area look? Like, what's that landscape look like other than the three? Like, who stood out to you at edge that you think might be able to kind of bring a face to that group as a depth piece?
2: Yeah, edge is tough because, like, obviously we know who who the first two guys are going to be with with Khalil and Joey, and then Rumpf slots in there, and Rumpf has really looked good. You know, I I wasn't around the team last year, uh, but people say, like, he looks noticeably bigger, and he he spoke about that uh, last month about, you know, putting on some muscle, and uh, two days ago he he had uh, two plays. It was against the second-team offense, um, and – he, you know, they're not fully tackling or obviously sacking quarterbacks, but it, was, it would have been two back-to-back sacks. And to get that from, you know, your third rusher, fourth rusher, if you, you know, pencil in Van Noy coming off the edge, that, that, that's, that's pretty it's pretty good to have. That's a good issue to have, right? Not being able to get someone like that onto the field. Uh, but really, I think Rumpf is a guy that has kind of stood out aside from the proven commodities. He's a guy... That has has caught my eye as someone who is you know just flying around making plays, always around the ball. Um, so yeah, you know, Edge is really not going to be in a position that they should worry about. But when you're having your your guy who's like fourth in the pecking order flashing like that, it just kind of speaks volume to where they're at there.
1: Nick, let's talk about the running back situation for a second. I mean, everybody always expects, or for now at least, expects that Isaiah Spiller is going to be the number two to Austin Echo. I don't think that's in question whatsoever. We've heard a little bit of Joshua Kelly's name kind of being thrown out there a little bit as far as the guys in the rest of the stable, him mm-hmm. kind of getting the most notoriety. And I know that you had a similar situation to this when you were covering the Rams last year. I mean, there was a lot of question marks about the Rams' backfield and what was going to happen. But for the rest of those guys beyond Spiller, Who's been, but like the one that you've seen? I know that Letty Brown had a nice touchdown run a couple days ago, but who's really shown flashes as far as who's going to be the guy who could take up that RB three mantle?
2: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's it's going to continue to just evolve probably throughout the entirety of training camp. Like, and even even for RB two, I would give Spiller the edge, but at the same time, he's going to still have to earn it. Like the the coaching staff is not going to just hand it. uh, to, to him. And really, I, I think, I think it is Josh Kelly. I think it's been Spiller and Kelly that have kind of led the way and Roundtree's trees has had some, you know, nice runs and catches out of the backfield to his own credit. Uh, but Kelly is, Hey, he's gained some, some muscle and put on some weight. He's a little bit more, um, heavy kind of, you know, Austin Eckler is that guy who can really do it all. But last year the Chargers kind of needed a, a a thumper and, Spiller, you know he's a big body back. Kelly bulking up a little bit, um, and both of those guys between Spiller and Kelly, they've both looked pretty darn good. Like they're they're bringing the juice, and that really from a uh, uh, excuse me, a pass catching perspective, both of them have looked nice. Like getting the ball in their hands and really being able to do some work after the catch, navigating through traffic. And like I said, you know they've only had two days of pads, so that they're not like full on tackling each other uh, to, you know, to the full extent, but both of those guys between Spiller and Kelly, I think those guys are kind of like two and three right now. That'd be kind of be my assessment, but you know, there's, there's still so much time left and things can change.
0: Looking at kind of the offense and we started there Then we went over the defense. Um, You know, we, we know the proven commodities, like you mentioned, we know the Rashawn Slaters, Justin Herbert's Keenan Allen's, even Mike Williams at this point, Austin Eckler. Other than like the core guys that we all know and see tons of videos about. Like who are some of the either new additions or drafts or whoever they are? Like who are some of the guys that have come in other than Zion who maybe are impressing more than folks thought that they were going to?
2: Yeah, okay. So I would say DeAndre De, uh, DeAndre Carter from from a, a receiver perspective. Like he was signed and it was like, okay, now the Chargers have their just bona fide you know, return man. He's going to return the punts. He's going to return the kicks. But what he's been able to do, he's been mainly working from the slot. What he's been able to do from the slot has been really impressive. He had two touchdowns during the red zone uh, period yesterday. And really, it's like his short area quickness really stands out to me. And so like the bottom half of the Chargers receiver group with Josh Palmer, Guyton, and Carter, they all kind of do something different. And there, there's been a lot of talk about, like, who's going to be the wide receiver three. I really don't think it exactly matters because, like, Palmer is going to be, like, the like a, he, he could be, like, a possession guy, whereas Guyton's going to be the deep threat vertical guy. And then Carter, I think, is kind of somebody who can work, you know, underneath, across the middle. Like, you just dump, like, a two-yard pass to him, and he can kind of put his foot in the ground and go the other way and, and zigzag his way through traffic for, like, a first down. Now I think Palmer probably you know leads leads the pack in terms of that pecking order, but what DeAndre Carter's been able to do, it, it's it's been really impressive because I, I know he had like four touchdowns last season with Washington, and three of them came in the red zone. Not the biggest guy, but he just finds ways to you know make people miss, and I, he's he's really shown that. <laughs> like like I just say, like it's his it's his ability to just put his foot in the ground and. and and zigzag the other way, his short area quickness has really been impressive.
1: Nick, let's go to one Nasir Adderley for a second. Dan and I were talking about this on the show as far as how good he's looked just over the last week of practice. And when you and I were there on Saturday when we had Coach Hill talking about the growth, the maturity, everything that he's kind of come into this year and learned, it seemed like the same comments that he was saying – or, excuse me, the same comments that Coach Hill was saying – echoed the exact same com- uh, comments that Nas was saying when he was at the podium a couple days ago as well. And obviously he's had the two interceptions this week. And as Coach Hill had said that he's really taken on that leadership role with Derwin James being out for the time being. But what is it about him that whether you've, from what you've seen on the field or what you've heard from the rest of the coaches, as far as just what's this next step that he's taking and, and coming into this defensive position for him?
2: Yeah, the, the next step really, and like you had said, Ronaldo Hill spoke about it. Brandon Saley spoke about it. Nas even followed up, followed up. So like, they're clearly all on the same page and it just appears he's, he's just out there playing free. Like maybe it just has to come down to everything. Isn't so like calculated, like, you know, not, not so like robotic and he's just out there making plays. Um, he, he spoke about, you know, when, when to turn on the gas and when to ease up and let plays develop in front of them before kind of, striking um making a play on the ball and hey the last two days he had a a, a pick on justin herbert and then yesterday he he picked off uh chase daniel in the end zone and so it i mean that that's kind of been the downfall to him a bit right is like he's around the ball but he he can't quite bring down the interceptions so he he looks to be turning a corner here and without you know derwin practicing as his contract stuff, um, you know, still continues to unfold. Nas has been the guy on the back end, really just patrolling at every level. And he's really shining w- w- without, you know, Derwin back there, which, you know, what's going to happen when Derwin is back on the field and <laughs> who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting to kind of see the secondary now with so much depth that I think was probably one of their Achilles here is Achilles heels in years past. Yeah. Um, how do you see? There's been a lot of talk about Dean Leonard. We've heard Keeman Hall. We've heard Brandon Sebastian. We've seen you know all the you know JT Woods, Jazeer Taylor. There's a whole bunch of guys back there. So many. Like if if there was one who like of the group who are kind of like deep in the roster that you that you would say like is Nick's lock. Like this guy has to make this team. Like who who would it be? Because I feel like everyone has a favorite that they keep talking about mm-hmm. depending on the day.
2: With like those guys that you've mentioned between like the the rookies that were drafted late and like brendan sebastian he's had you know a handful of pass breakups i think right now it's it's dean leonard i I think he has cemented himself and again like we're only a weekend there's so much time but (laughs) if i had to to pencil a guy in right now from what we've seen of seven days like he seems to be the guy um and he's mainly played on the outside whereas like jasir taylor has mainly worked from the inside but Dean Leonard, I mean, he'll he'll get right up in guys' guys grills. He's not, not afraid to get physical with them. And for a corner, you know, taken late on day three, he he, he looks like he's, he's a little better than that. Like, usually those are, like, developmental-type corners who, you know, maybe they're going to be a practice squad or, like, a guy um, just on special teams where, like, he, he's probably – that's how he'll probably start out. But, like, what, what he has shown so far – he doesn't look like a corner that was taken in you know, the, se- the seventh round.
0: We're, we're talking to Nick Cothrell of Sports Illustrated. Uh, Nick, so looking forward, a whole bunch of stuff coming up. Um, what are some of like the unanswered questions that you have that you're going to be kind of focusing on as you get towards this next week at training camp?
2: Well, some of them are a, a little self-explanatory, right? Like right tackle, um, and that's going to be something that's going to just continue to evolve. That that'll probably be answered at the end of training camp. Um, r- right now, it just kind of se- it, it it seems like they, they are they are set with a few exceptions, right? So you have right tackle. We've already spoken about the the running backs. Uh, quarterback seems to like the, in terms of their pecking order for like third. Callahan seems head and shoulders above Michael Davis. Um, so. It'll be interesting if, if there's any sh- if there's any shift to that later on, but right now Callahan seems like the, the guy um, there in terms of the cornerback three spot. Um, we already kind of spoke about the w- wide receiver three. Palmer seems to have the edge over Guyton, but both of them are going to have kind of their own niche. Um, I guess to really answer your question, like what's going to happen at fullback? And it's been kind of difficult to gauge that right now because fullbacks aren't getting a whole lot of run as it is. Right. And so it's been difficult. Everett's
0: taking taking some snaps of fullback.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it, it's difficult to really judge like who's kind of, you know, edging out one another in that battle. Like, how is that going to continue to evolve? Cause they're not exactly taking as many handoffs as like Isaiah Spiller out there, you know? So that's going to be something that's, that's going to be pretty interesting. But aside from that, it's like, a lot of it is just depth questions, right? Like the chargers did so much in the draft and free agency and tr- uh, via the trade market to really answer a lot of their starting spots. So right, right now, I guess really it's just right tackle the, the second running back spot and fullback.
1: Let's jump on the right tackle for just a minute here, because we've been seeing storm Norton and Trey Pipkins essentially every other day, The other other guy essentially is rotating in and starting off with the ones, and that's how they have done their pattern. And that's why it still just seems up in the air right now. When we finally gotten a chance to get pads on, it seems like so far from reports that they're just about even. But when we really heard Rashawn Slater echoing the work that Trey Pipkins has put in this offseason, we've seen the documented work that he's put in with him and Duke Mannyweather. Do you think that from what you've seen from him and the way that you hear his fellow offensive linemen talking about him, That he may have that much more of an advantage.
2: I don't know if it's fair to say he has an advantage right now, but I don't think like Slater's comments should go unnoticed because you know those are those are two the, the tackle the tackles are always working together, right? Like that's one that's that's one position group, and when they're out there training, you know, for a month out there in, in Texas together, they're spending every day together. They're eating together. They're, they're, you know, hanging out when they're not working out. And he, he really was like, you had just mentioned like the, the praises that he had, he was giving Trey Pipkins and, and how he's, you know, coming along. I, I don't, I don't think that's nothing. Um, I, I still think it's, like I said, just a wait and see for that spot. Even Brandon Staley, he, he had said, like, even Storm Norton looks better than what, how he looked last year, and he kind of spoke, like, I think it was, like, the first day of camp, actually, that both of them look noticeably different, like, physically, and that they feel confident in either direction they go, but they do expect that position to be better than what it was last season. So I, I think Slater's comments are definitely worth reading into, but I don't know necessarily if that – means that like Pipkins is kind of held to a higher regard than Norton just yet.
0: One question I had, and this is an interesting one. Um, Chargers fans have kind of always been curious and um, been very intrigued by the kick returner position and obviously got DeAndre Carter slotted on that. He's going to be there. Um, But I I read an article that you sent out that had shown that Bryce Callahan was actually taking snaps at punt returner. Yeah. And noticeably Jake and I were actually just talking about this in the last episode. Like one of the guys that was not doing that was Joe Reed who a few years ago everyone thought was going to be that guy. Like, do you take anything from that? Like why is Rice Callahan back there? And why aren't some of those other guys there? Like what's that returner depth looking like?
2: Yeah. And he, he, he's continued to do it, uh, to, you know, rotate in there as the deep man. Uh, he, in fact, he was doing it yesterday. Um, it was Carter, Michael Bandy, and uh Callahan, I think it's more of an emergency type role. Like Fickin wants wants to be ready if a situation presents itself. Uh, but I also think like this is the time to experiment and see what you have. Like they were working on a, a bunch of special teams yesterday, and like I wrote I wrote I I wrote in my observation piece yesterday the amount of different guys they were rotating in at Gunner. It was like almost 10 different guys. <laughs> That, that they were putting in there. And I think it's like, they want to see who looks better than who they, if there's someone that just evolves that they think can do a better job of a guy that, you know, just like, for example, like Jalen Guyton has been working at gunner. He's never, he's never done that in his career, but if he turns into a guy that all of a sudden becomes their best gunner and they just kind of stumble upon it, why, why not use him in that role? So, I think that could kind of be what they're doing with Callahan, as well as just kind of protecting themselves in case you get into a pinch in a game, you need a guy that can go back there. But it is it, it at first, I, I was a little taken back just because of Callahan's injury history. Like he hasn't played a full season in any of his last two years in Denver. And yet you you know you're trying him out there as the deep man, a position that you're kind of vulnerable to getting banged up in. But you know, it, it still seems like it's it's Carter's job.
1: <laughs> Nick, I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second. And I was looking for it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Has your has your 53 man prediction piece come out yet? Have you done that yet, or are you still waiting to get closer to the regular season?
2: Yeah, I put out a piece on uh, this the day before camp started. I put out a piece. Um, okay. Yeah.
1: So and- I, I apologize. I was looking for it. I couldn't find it, but my. My question to you is going to be, because obviously coming from the Rams, you've seen one of the best as it goes in regards to the interior defensive line position. And this is a conversation that Dan and I have had, you know, for the last several weeks now, there is just a vicious amount of competition in the interior yeah. of this defensive line, SJD, Austin Johnson, Morgan Fox, uh, Brennan Fahoko has had a great week yes. of practice thus far. Is it, give give me, Give me your numbers, because again, I did not get a chance to read it, but I'd like to know, especially from where you wrote that article to where we stand today. Does it still is it still symmetrical as far as a who gets the roster spots and how many interior defensive linemen do the Chargers keep?
2: Yeah, it's 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 going to be so tough. Like that is just going to be the the an absolute dogfight. Like there's there's no way around it. And I mean that's what you want from from that position group, especially. You know, the issues they had in stopping the run last year. It's tough to say that anything has changed, but like you had mentioned, like Brandon Fahoko has looked, you know, really, really good. And in my initial projection, I didn't have him in there. Not because I don't think he's he was capable, but they just have so many bodies in there, right? Like so you have Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson as like the two starters. You drafted Tito, you brought in Morgan Fox. Um, you have, uh, I had Jerry Tillery in there and then my, am I missing somebody else? You got
0: Covington, you got Merrill. I mean, that's a whole whole bunch of guys. And then and then I had
2: Covington, (laughs) right? So like there's six right there. And then I had Foyoko as like the seventh guy, but I only had them keeping six. So right now I would probably stay put with, um, with what, what I put out with, with just the six. And, but at the same time, like. Tiller's going to have to to prove himself because really the way my read on it is they're going to take like the best five, the best six guys in that spot, regardless if you're a seventh round pick or a first round pick or an undrafted signee, like they're, they're going to go with the best guys. So it's, it's, that's going to be, you know, the, the bot, the bottom of the pecking order for the inside interior spot is going to be quite interesting because there's just so many different options. And so,
0: so, right now, so like on for that sixth spot, so right now is tillery. If you we were just isolating it to like this camp, is mm-hmm. tillery in or out?
2: Well, right now, I would say Fayoko has had a better camp. Now, at the same time, like where there's been two days of pads, and it's so difficult to judge the trenches without the pads on. So, like, you're kind of splitting hairs when, when, you're, when you're talking about two days of work. So, but at the same time, like, like we, we've been talking about, like Fayoko has looked really good. He's looked better than Tillery, but it, it's tough for me to like flip Tillery out and put him in over to small days. sample size. Yeah. It's a small it, sample size. Exactly. So,
0: all right. We are wrapping up with Nick Cothro from Sports Illustrated. Jake, uh, any burning questions? We've gone through all kinds of training camp battles, storylines, key performers. Um, The one actually, Jake, I'll let let you think about it. The one guy we haven't really talked about much is Gerald Everett. Now, in years past, we've seen kind of the tight end group kind of shift from, you know, Hunter Henry. Then we had Jared Cook and then, you know, obviously Gates before that. But then you kind of go to this Gerald Everett now who has seemingly more athleticism, more versatility uh, than we've seen here in quite some time. Uh, do you see the team actually utilizing him as much as I know we have the press conference. He talks about like he feels confident. He wants to do it. Do you see the team actually utilizing him in all those different ways come regular season?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why not. And he kind of sp- spoke a, a little bit of, about it yesterday of, you know, about the, the different ways that he thinks he can be used and not just being like a one dimensional type tight end. And. Really, why not like he, he definitely is m- way more athletic than, than Jared Cook and I even think you know when when Gerald Everett was with the Rams and when he was with Seattle like they I don't think they've fully tapped into his ability and how athletic he, he truly is like why can you not you know squeeze a little more juice out of him? I I He's a guy that has continued. It seems like as each day of camp goes on like during the 11 on 11s, he's becoming more and more involved. And I mean that just makes sense, right? The the more reps that he's getting with with Justin Herbert, the more chemistry and the cohesion that they're kind of building. You know, it's like that non spoken relationship where you just know where the guy's going to be. I I really think that he's going to provide you know uh, some he's going to provide a little more than what the Chargers have gotten the last few seasons out of the tight end position.
1: Dan, by the way, I don't have any burning questions. Nick, <laughs> is, Nick has been awesome in answering these questions. I was Nick trying to go through in my head. Scary. I'm like, is there anything that I missed? Is there any big storylines that we haven't talked about yet? And the answer is no. So Nick's been killer on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick,
0: so as we wrap up, so I guess like moving forward, all right, so we got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday. I think I heard they're going to be doing like an intra scrimmage against yeah, each other yeah. uh, in the evening. Like, what are you looking for out of camp the next few days? Like, obviously you got some days left, but in the next kind of, let's call it two or three days of camp, what's kind of your focus?
2: I mean, every day is a different day at camp, right? Like you guys know, like yesterday, I really, I want to continue to, to watch more of the work in the trenches between the offensive line and the defensive line. Uh, And specifically, like not even just the first team, like how does Jamari Salyer look? Um, You know, how, how is, is we'll Clapp looking like, and, and, we spoke to great length about the depth of the interior defensive line. Like how, how is that formulating yesterday? They were just in shells. They weren't in um, full pads. So they, you know, they didn't do any like the one-on-ones, but that's going to be something that I'm going to continue to try and monitor uh, closely as you know, we, we get closer to that scrimmage and the scrimmage itself will should be pretty telling and how, how guys are stacking up hundred percent.
0: Nick Cothill from Sports Illustrated. All right. So for folks who are not familiar with your work, guys, go check out Nick's work on Sports Illustrated. Nick, where can folks find you on socials? What are you up to these next few days? What kind of articles are you going to be ringing out?
2: Yeah, you can find me on, uh, on Twitter at Nick Cothill. And then all my work is done on chargerreport.com, part of the Sports Illustrated media group. And really every day after practice, I put out, you know, observations and notes from, Stuff that happened on the practice field, stuff that players or coaches said after practice, um, as well as just really any storylines that are, you know, evolving as as camp unfolds. And, you know, the like we were talking about, like the scrimmage should be pretty telling on where certain guys stack up and are they, you know, working with the first team or the second team, etc. So should be should be a good weekend.
0: Love it. Nick Cothrell, Jake Heffer, Dan Wolkenside. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in, Nick. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you out there at camp on Saturday. Uh, But in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, evening, and morning, and we'll talk to you guys soon.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.